Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 190, First Steps After Discovering They Cheated. Yes, welcome guys to the Hole in My Heart podcast where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. Today I am your host, not Lori Krieg, I'm Matt Krieg. <laughs> I'm the normal Argyle aficionado, and I don't have my favorite host alongside me, Lori. Timing didn't work out. We couldn't find a sitter for our kids, and so there is where she is. Um, but we do have the ever-faithful and most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Very good. Yeah. Very good. I'm really excited to share with you today's conversation where we are going to talk about what to do when... A spouse comes forward or confesses having had an affair, cheating, um, and whether it be with pornography, with another person, that is something that has touched a lot of lives, and I'm really excited to dive into that. But before we do, I want to invite you to rate and review the podcast. If you like it, would you consider helping others to find it by rating it and leaving a good review? It would mean a lot. Okay, so I am excited, guys, to welcome back to the studio our dear friends, Johnny and Amanda McKenna. Johnny holds a degree in youth ministry with 10 years of pastoring experience and currently works as a director in a marketing firm. And Amanda also has a degree in youth ministry and her license in cosmetology. She currently does admin work for Lori whoop, whoop, and also does hair out of her home also. Whoop, whoop. And she stays busy with their three kids all under the age of five. Oh my goodness, Amanda. That's a lot of children. Yeah. Under the age of five. Well, you guys too. You know it. <laughs> but ours are all, all under the age of five. I feel like that extra two years is, oh. is a big deal. That's good to hear, though. You know? <laughs> makes makes me have, feel better. We have hope coming up. <laughs> you, you do have hope. You do have hope. And we would love for you guys to instill into our listeners some of the hope that you guys have received in the past couple of years. Because if you guys don't know, Johnny and Amanda were on the podcast previously. Episode 92 was just over two years ago in our Broken and Beloved Pastor series. And you guys went through a really hard time um, where, Johnny, you came forward yeah. with uh, confession of cheating, with, with pornography use, mm -hmm. with an affair, um, and just some of the journey that you guys have been through. But before we really dive into that, we ask the same question to everyone every time, and it is, if the gospel is, I am more loved than I imagine and yet more sinful than I believe, how did this definition of the gospel play into your most challenging time in your marriage? Yeah, I, you know, I think for me, the, the hardest part a lot was just the shame that I experienced um, leading up to it, but then even after the confession, whereas I felt a weight lifted off of my shoulders in a lot of ways, but then it was hard because it was just kind of out there, both with my, my spouse, my family. And then uh, an email was sent out to a, our community within the church community. And so like it, it was airing everything out kind of about what I had done. And so for me, it was just a ton of shame that mm -hmm. I was experiencing, both, both probably godly shame, but also toxic, not good shame trying to keep me in a bad place. Yeah. Um, but I think that obviously the redeeming part of that was God looking at me and seeing me and all of that and seeing, you know, I'm worth the redemption and I was worth his sacrifice and yeah. I was worth um, everything he had done on the cross to redeem me and rescue me mm -hmm. from all that I had done um, and all, and all that I'll continue to do and fail in other ways as well. But mm -hmm. that God looks at me every single day, every single moment of my life and says, you are worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. 
What about for you, Amanda? Um, during that time, I, I know, and even now, I just feel like there's so many verses that mean way more to me and come to life in different ways of um, forgiveness. You know, when, when Jesus talks about 70 times 7 and um, the self-sacrificial love and forgiveness, um, I just, I think that time required a lot from me of laying aside my own hurt and pain and like my flesh responses of wanting to sometimes like um, just lash out in really hurtful ways or um, post things, you know, like, um, and it wasn't even just betrayal from Johnny during that time, but betrayal from close friends and Mm -hmm. community that I had to deal with. And so I think um, that time, like just seeing Jesus and his sacrifice in a whole new way and realizing kind of feeling that like, this is probably what he felt. And so, and not to say that what I experienced is anything like what Jesus Mm -hmm. experienced, but I feel like those verses just um, really stuck with me of, what he did and his sacrifice and his forgiveness and how much like stories like the prodigal son and um, every, all of that stuff just coming more to life and me being able to relate to them so much more. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing how in that place of pain that you just want to lash out, you want to get that angry response and, by by withholding that by going a little deeper by taking that pain to jesus like you really true truly do get to experience a little bit more of the heart of god and some of like the wow what he has done for us right even even as the one who was hurt and is Mm -hmm. extending the forgiveness and and then simultaneously johnny as the one who is receiving that forgiveness like Mm -hmm. being able to look and just read read scripture and just pour out your heart and say like, oh, wow, I noticed my sinfulness right now. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore it helps you to notice that the belovedness right. also. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, okay, guys, if you, if you haven't caught on, if you didn't listen to the, the episode from a couple of years ago, again, episode 92 in our bro- Broken and Beloved Pastor series, Johnny, you were a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Everything on the outside looking really, really good. Um, and, and internally just things were a mess and it led you down this path of of pornography use, alcohol abuse, cheating. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you came to this point of, of confession, which if you want to hear the whole story, please go listen to episode 92. Uh, we're not going to be able to dive into it all again today, but, Mm -hmm. but really coming to this point at the end of yourself where you had to come to Amanda to confess Mm -hmm. and, and to really come through and, and be yep. honest. And, and Amanda, you received that. Um, and if you can just walk us through, like, how was it receiving that confession and, and giving that confession? And what were some of the first steps for you guys to pursue both as individuals and together to kind of pursue reconciliation and rebuilding in your marriage? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and start and talk about how, how you received it, I guess. Okay. Um, I mean, it was definitely hard. Um, I think I had, you know, at the time, Jack, who was two, and Javi, who was a couple months old, they were in the room with us. And in some ways, it probably kept me from really freaking out and, 
maybe doing something that I would have regretted more because I had to think of them and stay calm. Um, I, I mean, it was a terrible day. I just remember feeling really confused and shocked and what do I do? Um, and God in that moment, like put a friend in my mind and I felt like I needed to call that person. And this was a person that like I had done hair for and she had just like you could sense the spirit with her. Um, and she had told me the last time I saw her, if you ever need to talk to me about anything, please call. And I had known her story. She has some of her own broken marriage kind of situation. And so I knew she'd be a safe person to talk to. I called her and told her everything. And it was just, that was like my first reaching out for help because I did not know what to do myself. And she kind of walked me through what I should do. Um, You know, like she was just telling me, you know, maybe you need to get out of the house, go to a family, um, make sure Johnny's not alone because, you know, part of our story was he was going to take his life. Mm -hmm. And so not only was the trust broken with other things, but I was also worried about what if he does that because he's so, you know, scared of whatever. So, um, she kind of helped me take some first steps of like, just thinking through, um, I did leave to be with a sister for a few days and, um, Johnny's family did come in and they were with him while I was gone. Um, so, I mean, that was just a first step of like, I need to, I need space. I need to get out. I need to think, Mm -hmm. um, and so that separation was good for us. And I don't know, everyone's situation is different when this kind of stuff happens. Um, so I'm not saying that's always needed or always required. But for me, like I needed that space. Yeah. Um, and from there, you know, we, we told family. So family was a big support to us. We also, um, through connections, reached out to um, a I mean, they're not like licensed counselors, but they, they're the ones that led us through our intensive. And we had found out about this intensive through another couple um, that experienced their own story about a year prior to us. So reached out to them and that was huge because um, Dan um, was the guy that led us through the intensive. He talked about how we needed to get stabilized Mm -hmm. and that was a whole new term for me but like um pretty much just because i felt so unsafe with my whole world crashing Mm -hmm. around me um and so this whole idea of like what are some things we can do to stabilize you guys right now that's like the first thing and so he kind of helped us lay out a plan for what that looked like which included things like installing covenant eyes on all our devices, um, getting accountability for Johnny, not just me, but a accountability partner. Yeah. Um, also like changing his phone number, deleting contacts, um, just these really practical first steps of how can we get to this point mm-hmm. of stabilization. And so that was huge for me because um, it made me feel safer. Yeah. And I, I want to, if we can just kind of sit here for a minute, because this is something that every time I work with a couple where there's some sort of infidelity, broken trust, 
in the relationship, there is this like grasping response mm-hmm. for for safety, and, and oftentimes yep. that can kind of kind of take the place of of seeking control of mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like for you, Amanda, one of the the first thing you did was hey, reach out to this friend that you knew. Mm-hmm. You know, and then got connected to what sounds like a really good, just intensive program where they were able to walk you through kind of some of the steps of, of stabilizing. Yeah. Um, in that immediate, like, when he first confessed and you had the anger and, and, you know, maybe you processed through it a little bit just on your own, like, what was your gut instinct reaction of what to do other than just, like, throw stuff at Johnny? <laughs> um. My gut instinct was, how can I fix this? Can I fix this? Um, I knew that I was called to stay in my marriage. Like, I knew God wanted me to stay. Um, But, I mean, I wanted to run. I wanted to run away. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to leave. I wanted to get out. I did not. I wanted to hurt him. I, I wanted to hurt him in the same ways that he hurt me. Um, I, I wanted to take control, mm-hmm. you know, of everything. Um, so, yeah, there was that, like, I need to control mm-hmm. my environment because I don't have control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you don't, you don't have control, when you don't have trust, especially because, I mean, let's face it, we never truly have control. Um, of the other person in the relationship. But when we don't have that trust, it becomes very quick and easy to, to either one, run away, mm-hmm. as you said, you wanted to do that, or just completely exert total control right. over the situation. But the, the hard part is neither of those end up developing trust. You either, yeah. you either walk away from the relationship or you become so overbearing that, that the relationship is just based on, well, I need to be in control. But you never are rebuilding that trust and so when you went to this intensive and they go through this kind of stabilizing process and they say, hey, we got to put, you know, accountability software on the phone, whether it's Covenant Eyes or some other type, you know, mm-hmm. you have to get accountability for Johnny, um, you know, not just you, Amanda. Like there, there's got to be someone else that, that he can talk to. Um, yeah. and, and Johnny, I'd love to jump over to you because, you know, a lot of times, and I'll speak for myself, as a man... It's, it's hard to reach out to someone else when it's like, I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yet you, you were encouraged mm-hmm. to, to get accountability. And I know you got accountability, and, and that was a very, very positive experience for you. Can you tell us a little bit about just that process? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, as, as a man maybe, and as just myself too, just feeling like prideful in a lot of ways leading up to my confession, but then obviously confessing, kind of releasing a lot of that pride um, in some ways because of thinking I can stop doing all the things I was doing on my own or I can I can quit anytime I want or, you know, I, I can do this without um, all the things that I really did need. Um, and so when, when confession came, it was a release of a lot of that pride uh, along with, you know, the, the publicness of it too. It was basically like, I'm starting at zero, so I have a kind of no, uh, I don't know, you know, it, it, it just feels like any kind of integrity or any kind of worth even in some ways is like there anymore. And so I was starting at a very broken place um, 
whether those feelings were correct or incorrect, you know, I, I, I don't know. But honestly, that knowing that I uh, had nothing to prove to anyone or had nothing to kind of hide or uh, show people that I was like something that I wasn't at that point uh, helped in that aspect of reaching out, of getting help, of getting accountability. And it was something I had always desired anyways, but was too scared to ask for it or too prideful to ask for it too, because I, I didn't want people to know I had a problem or there was a problem or I wanted to look like I had it all together. And so in some ways it was super freeing to finally tell someone and ask for that help. Um, and then, yeah, in other ways it was that weird, like asking someone out on a date almost or start a relationship of like, Hey, can you do this? And I mean, I found an, you know, a really tight friend that, uh, we've been talking for years and, um, so you guys still talk. Yeah, we still do. I still call him twice a week, uh, Monday and Thursday at six fifteen AM. So we chat for like fifteen ish uh to twenty five minutes. Um we ask each other the same three questions. You know, what are you reading in your Bible? Have you struggled with lust or temptation in any way? Um, and then how are you being intentional with your family? Mm -hmm. Um and so every week we ask each other those two question three questions and um, for me, it's been insanely helpful to stay in not only like my spiritual discipline of reading my Bible, but also like knowing I'm going to talk to my friend and then also being upfront with Amanda and talking with her. We try to do check-ins every week, um, on okay. Sundays just to confess to each other where we're struggling, where our temptations are, how we failed even too. And that's been really life-giving in a lot of ways too, because I know for me, I can always feel like the broken one in the relationship and the one that's bringing the whole thing down. <laughs> and mm -hmm. if, you know, if it wasn't for me, this relationship would be great or she wouldn't have any problems. Um, so for Amanda to even humanize herself and mm -hmm. even just talk about her own struggles with me is always super helpful to make me feel like I'm not just the one that makes everything crappy. Yeah. Yeah. Now I can imagine having that sort of conversation, like that weekly check-in of how are you doing, mm -hmm. um, can be really hard. Yeah. Um, how, how quickly after the confession did you guys start doing that practice? That wasn't until maybe like a couple years ago. And actually you guys were the ones that influenced us. Cause I think, uh, I don't know if it was a conversation or reading, but like hearing like if, did you write about that in Impossible Marriage where you and Lori like rate or have yeah, a scale? Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, like, so we'll sit down yeah. and say like, hey, how are you doing? Uh -huh. you know, and then we'll rate our, our sin struggle. Like, right. You know, not just if we've fallen into mm -hmm. that temptation, but like, yeah, if we just like where we're at struggle wise, if we're tempted to run towards something but haven't acted on it. Yeah. Kind of scale it one to 10, one being like really manageable, 10 being I'm about to to like fall over the edge here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, that, that has been a practice that we've done. Yeah. Um, and so, Hey, it's good to hear that, that, that was helpful for yeah. you guys. Yeah. We, I just really liked that idea mm -hmm. and it's been helpful and we do it kind of differently because we don't really rate. Um, it's not like more of a rating thing. It's more of just like, where did you struggle this week? What mm -hmm. were you, how were you tempted? What, what did you struggle with? And sometimes it's like, you know, I was really struggling with parenting this week or 
um, with anger or worry or whatever it is. You know, sometimes it is that Johnny will tell me, yeah, I was at, at the grocery store and I had to fight to not keep looking at someone or so sometimes it is about lust and sexual temptation but um sometimes it's just normal you know everyday life stuff um and i i i do think that the progression of like you know when when things first happened there's that question that even we get from people that we have like kind of walked alongside and mentored of like well, do I have to tell her everything? Do I have to tell her every time I'm struggling with lust or whatever? Um, we get, we've had a lot of people say stuff like that um, to us. And that was something that we kind of figured out too. Um, that balance of like, does he tell me everything? What does he tell me? What does he not tell me? Mm -hmm. um, and I just remember it hit me one day, you know what, if God convicts me, of something, then I want to tell Johnny if I'm convicted of a sin, then I should tell that. I should confess it. You know, the Bible says, talks about confession, and that's a powerful thing, and we should confess our sins to one another. Um, and so it just hit me that if I feel convicted, I should confess to Johnny. Mm. And so I told him, Johnny, like, Anytime that you feel convicted of anything, I want you to tell me because you should. And the more that we practice that spiritual discipline of confession, I think it's, it's a healthy thing to have in a relationship. And the more that he can safely confess to me, the more that I can safely confess to him. I just think that's huge. So even if it is a little thing, which in the beginning, maybe it would have triggered me more to hear something but because we've made it this thing that we do regularly, the more you do it, the better you get at it, receiving it with grace and also understanding it. Um, because I too have my moments of, you know, my own sexual brokenness that I bring to the table. And so I just want to encourage people out there that, you know, they're scared. Mm -hmm. um, it The more you do it, the more you practice it, the better it'll get and hopefully the more life it will bring to your marriage yeah. when you can both be vulnerable mm -hmm. with each other. Yeah. And I would, I would say that like what you're describing really is the ideal, I, I think response that, that you guys have this openness, that you guys have this, um, this ability to, to, to open up to one another. You said to confess safely, mm -hmm. um, to know that you're not just going to like confess something and get just destroyed mm -hmm. by the other person. And, and I know that, you know, if you're out there listening, there, there might be some of you in a situation where that is not right. how, how you would be responded to if you confessed something. Um, that doesn't mean you don't need to confess. Right. <laughs> I, I think that, that you, you do need, you, you definitely need someone that you're confessing to. And, and ideally at some point you would, be able to to approach your spouse um but i also understand that man there there are times when if you confess something or if you say something you you will just be you know kind of reamed mm -hmm. you know yeah. and and that's so so if, if you're in that situation you know confess to to a close friend and accountability partner and when you are feeling more stable in yourself then i would say go and have the conversation with your spouse because there there is there is this balance mm -hmm. to, to be found. And so, um, 
you know, Johnny, for for you, that that first confession mm-hmm. was like you thought you were you thought it would be better off to die, mm-hmm. you know, and then yeah. you got to this point of confessing, um, you know, and then as Amanda is talking about, hey, this practice of confession and how it has instilled more trust and it's become easier over time. Like what, what have you seen that do just in you as someone who, who maybe is, is predisposed toward pride and yeah. self-sufficiency? Right. And, and hiding, you know, mm-hmm. honestly too, I think, you know, for me, one, just hearing, like we already said, just Amanda being open on her end too of her own struggles and her own failures and her own things like that. That's helpful for me to hear. But then also just when I do confess how she receives it, I mean, I think of a time recently where uh, some ads came up on social media and, you know, I saw them and I hid them, but then told her right away, like, hey, hid as in I hid the ad, not like hid, like I hid it from her, but you know, delete. Yeah, like just a little it. X. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> removed yeah, it yeah. from the, the, the feed essentially so it wasn't going to pop up and, you know, said don't uh, advertise to me anymore. Um, and then I told her that, hey, just so you know, these two things came up and I got rid of them and she hugged me and thanked me for telling her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was, you know, the, <laughs> to for me, to have told Johnny three years ago that I would ever be at that place would be like, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, that we, we would be at that place in our relationship and in our marriage. And like that obviously is like a really good example of it. Um, there's still the human factor of me and Amanda of like not receiving it well or not communicating it well and things can still trigger and be hard. Mm-hmm. But for me to have a moment like that in like my emotional bank of like, I confess something, it was received really well. Mm-hmm. I got hugged for it, like that physical hit of dopamine too at the same time of like mm-hmm. connecting those things for me was was huge to know that this is a safe space. And while it may not always look like, I'm so glad that you told me this, um, it, there, there still could be hurt and pain. The fact that there are moments like that is big for me um, to connect confession with not only just freedom of getting that off my chest and making sure that my relationship with Amanda, my relationship with God is where it needs to be. Um, but also just making sure that there's nothing hidden that, um, needs to be confessed or letting anything grow. I mean, I think a phrase that I think about often is mold grows in dark places. And the more that we keep things in the dark, the more, opportunity we give them to grow and i want to do everything i can and that's what confession is is shining that light on that mold to keep it from growing or getting bigger than we want it to mm-hmm. yeah so that was a really good interaction response where you know you, you confess something you get the hug you get the dopamine hit but it it wasn't always that way and so if you guys think about no yeah this this process of confession because it really is mm-hmm. I, I think one of the key most important things to rebuilding trust because yeah. yep. that seeking control is is really seeking to to not allow the other person to hurt you again mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and, and so you can you can go as far as you can and you will never be able to fully control anyone else right um but the confession piece as scary as it is it's it's really you actively telling the person like I didn't have to tell you this. I didn't get found out here, 
mm-hmm. but I am choosing to move closer. I'm choosing to to be open. I'm choosing yeah. to to not be hidden, you know, which so much of an affair, pornography addiction happens in isolation in deceit covers it up. And so mm-hmm. this like open honesty really is like a testament to, hey, things are different. Yeah. And I want them to be different. Um, but when you think about like that initial few times of confession when it was, man, really scary. And it took a lot of courage to, to come forward. And this goes both directions here. Like what is something that the confessor should do and, and then what is something that the person hearing that confession should do in response just to make this, this confession process like good mm-hmm. and beneficial for the relationship? Yeah. You know, speaking as uh, the confessor, especially in the big confession too, is I didn't hold anything back. I didn't do a partial confession. I didn't do a sugar-coated yeah. confession. And as scary as that was, I never had to go back to Amanda and say, and also this. Right. And, oh no, there's also this. Now, there, there were like details and things that we did talk through later that, you know, I didn't go through every single detail, every, every single thing. And she had questions and wanted to know more. And I, would, I, I didn't hide mm-hmm. any of those things. And I, I think some of the things that we've seen as we've had people reach out to us with similar stories or similar breaking points, um, you know, that's one thing we definitely encourage the confessor is get it all out now mm-hmm. because if you wait or if it comes, because it will come out later, it will get discovered. Something will happen eventually. It's going to start the process all over again and be really hard. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would definitely, as a, as the confessor, really encourage complete and total abandonment of holding on to anything mm-hmm. that you you want to get rid of. I mean, just start over because like, this is your chance. I could have said, you know, I could have, I could have pulled back on a few things or made them not seem as big of a deal or, or just held it in and be like, oh, well, she doesn't need to hear that yet because I'm, I'm already destroying her world mm-hmm. um, with these, th- this one thing. Why would I tell her these other two things is on top of that? So, yeah, definitely just getting it all out there and making sure that it's totally out there. You know, I think if you're confessing of your own volition, I, I feel like you're probably at a little bit of a, a rock bottom, which is a great place to come from. Mm. But if you were discovered, um, I think that's that's really hard when it's a forced confession. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would we've we've talked with people like that too, where it's found and and you know heard stories of people where it's like discovered and then that person's not ready. Mm-hmm. you know, to get it all out, which is super hard. Um, but if you're actually at that point of confessing, get it out, tell, tell them everything. Um, it, it only will make things better faster than mm-hmm. it will make them worse. It, making things worse is hanging on to something. Yeah. I think what helped me when Johnny confessed is that I could tell, you know, that he's completely broken and completely repentant. He didn't make any excuses for himself. He didn't justify it. Mm-hmm. He didn't excuse it. He didn't deny it. Um, and I, I'm thankful for that because, you know, I mean, we've, we've walked with some people too that um, there are excuses or there is denial or, oh, it was just porn. You know, I didn't cheat on you. It was just porn. Or, mm-hmm. um, or I would never it would never get that far, you know? So, and even just, you know, 
from Johnny, he never made me feel bad for any of the feelings I felt, Mm -hmm. um, for any of the questions I asked, for any of the demands I made. Um, And we've heard that too from couples where um, it's put back on the one that's been cheated on of like, well, you're overreacting. Why, Why is this such a big deal? Like, you need to just trust me. And um, that makes me sad because it's like, well, trust has been broken. And so I, I do feel like when trust has been broken, um, you've been betrayed, right? And so, I mean, there's the whole thing that I, don't, I didn't even know about with betrayal trauma. And like, mm-hmm. that's the thing um, for getting help if you've been betrayed. And so I feel like um, it's okay to feel the anger, to feel the sadness, to yeah. to want to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, those are normal things. And like if the one that's cheated is getting mad at the person that's mm-hmm. feeling those things, like that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully they get to a point where they're able to, to not make excuses or to not justify it, but they're completely repentant. And, you know, and that was something I was thankful for when we met with Dan and Leslie was Dan... Um, said to Johnny, Johnny, you need to give Amanda the phone, your phone, whenever she asks for it, um, without an attitude, without making her feel bad. Um, you, you also need to let Amanda feel what she's going to feel. Um, and he, he told that. And it just was like good for me to hear that from someone, like just this freedom of like, it's okay for me to not be okay right now. And it's normal for me to feel these things. Um, and pro- probably some of that is unhealthy with like <laughs> wanting the control. But at the time, I feel like I needed someone to just tell me it's okay to feel what I was feeling mm-hmm. and that Johnny needed to be in a place of taking it. <laughs> like he had to take it for a yeah. while. Yeah. And yeah. that was good for us. I mean, if you us. stayed there for forever, I think that'd be no. one thing. But and like, we didn't. In that beginning moments of like, yeah, like like you talked about, we were in emergency, like, you know, we're rushing into the emergency room. There's blood everywhere. Like just the most graphic scene, like it was where our marriage was at. And so like to get into that um, triage essentially and to stabilize was, was the hope with all that. And, you know, Amanda, you brought up just things as the confessor of like, you're confessing something that you broke a lot of trust. And so at this point you need to be willing to rebuild that on however that looks like. And obviously getting counselors and um, trusted friends involved on like what that looks like in a healthy way. And yeah, at first it is like that, hey, yeah, here's my phone. You know, I'm willing to get a flip phone. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to to start over and rebuild, mm-hmm. you know? And like things can look different moving forward. They They can shift and change, but at first it's, what do we need to do to stabilize with with our relationship? And as the confessor, I need to be willing to allow Amanda to feel the things she feels and yeah. be yeah. in a hard place at times and grieve, you know? Right. To not be defensive of it. Yeah. 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 And his willingness to do whatever it took really helped me. Mm-hmm. Because if I, I feel like if we if I were to try to fight him on these things, I think that would have made it harder for me to feel safe. Um, and so the fact that he was willing to give up his phone, give up social media, give up, you know, put um, GPS on. I mean, for a while, I think it was, we had GPS right. on 
your yeah. phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things we did in the beginning. And I think if he would have like given me a hard time on any of those things, it would have prolonged the process yeah. mm-hmm. of healing for me because I think I would have not been in a good place. Mm-hmm. And so I, the, seeing his willingness, seeing his brokenness um, was like a really positive thing for me to know that, okay, he's in this, like he is ready and willing to do whatever. And I needed him to show me that. And so, yeah, I think of women or, you know, and it happens with men too, where women cheat on men. So I'm not trying to say just men cheat, but the women that I've talked to who've been cheated on um, and their partner isn't willing to do whatever. I just, it makes me think, well, they're not at that place yet. They're not ready, you know, to, to really remove every barrier. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and that's, that's the thing is like for, for me and Lori, like that was our story where I, I confessed she didn't find me out. And when, when I did, I said, what, what can I do mm. to, to prove that I want to be with you mm-hmm. more than I want pornography? Yeah. And, and the things that she said was, well, get rid of all access to it. So yep. no phone, <laughs> no tablet, no mm-hmm. computer, like, you know, little, little dumb phone, yep. was, you know, click like three times for an H like, Right, <laughs> you know, and it was it was annoying, but but it was probably the best thing mm-hmm. that that we could have done, mm-hmm. you know, for our marriage. One, it gave me a whole lot of clarity that I wasn't able to just like live on a screen. Yeah, right. um, and and two, it really was something that showed her I'm I'm willing to go to whatever extent, mm-hmm. you know, to to make things right mm-hmm. and to to try and undo can't really undo but to try and grow and build off of just the the brokenness that i'd caused yeah you know and now now there are people out there though and you already mentioned them like that that maybe they are found out Mm -hmm. you know and you said it if if they're found out if they're not if they're not willing to to just like remove every barrier you know they're they're not ready Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. what would you say to someone who who maybe has found out you know, either a pornography addiction affair, some sort of broken trust. It could be financial or otherwise, like mm-hmm. sexual, it doesn't matter. But, but where there is some sort of betrayal, where it was found out, it wasn't confessed. Um, and it seems like the, the person is maybe not at this place of being ready to truly get rid of it. What would you say to that person who is maybe just wrestling with the weight of that relationship? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would encourage them to get counseling for themselves um, to work through that betrayal. But I would also just wanting to empower them of like, you you have a say in this relationship and it's okay for you to set expectations. And if those aren't followed or if they're not willing, then if you're in an unhealthy relationship with someone who is not willing to do anything um, to make it right. It's okay to make steps of like, well, I need to separate or whatever the steps are. But like, um, you know, and I don't, I know God doesn't want divorce Mm -hmm. and that's not, you know, he wants restoration, reconciliation. But sadly, like there are some relationships where if it's a continual cycle of, nothing changing and addictions. And I just feel like at some point, like, when do you, 
say this is unhealthy for me, this is unhealthy for my kids, you know, and it's okay to set expectations. You know, I think the person that's been betrayed, um, sometimes they're told, you just need to trust. You just need to work on you. But I would say, no, like you have a say and you can say, this is what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to give you a month or two months or whatever it is to do these things, to make these changes. And if those changes don't happen, then this is my plan. Um, and I don't know if you would agree with that, with working with couples. Yeah, no, I, I, I have seen separation work, like truly, mm-hmm. where, where there's, there's something that, that has happened, it's been ongoing, and then it's come to this point of, of separation. And, and literally, sometimes I see that, and it's like the kick in the pants that maybe the person sure. needs. Yeah. And then they're just like gangbusters going because truly they're recognizing what will be lost if, right. they, if they continue. Yeah, it's not real. You know, until that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that was the consequence that, that was needed to see like, oh, wow, my life truly is falling apart here, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I've seen that. And it yeah. then like after maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of months, I mean, it depends on each individual situation, right. but sometimes that catalyzes a lot of, of change mm-hmm. and, and, and some amazing things can happen. I've also seen it where, well, the, the separation um, happens and the person doesn't change in fact sometimes they just go deeper right. into whatever yeah. thing and it's so it's it's not i mean it's not a cure-all right here yeah. here's the situation right. where man we're working with with broken people mm-hmm. um we're we're in relationship with broken people we yeah. are broken people and there is no single set answer for how to do things yeah. Yeah. but but sometimes separation with the intent right of like really striving for reconciliation yeah. restoration is great sometimes but you're, you're not unilaterally in control mm-hmm. you know of, of what your spouse does or what your partner does with that like if they're just going to run toward um you know their own addictions if they're going to enter into the relationship that that is not that is not up to you yeah right. you know and so it, it really is almost like a like like the father in the prodigal son story saying okay i will mm-hmm. let you walk away right you know, and, and I will, you know, hopefully have yeah. that same heart of the father that I'm willing to, once you reach the end of yourself, I am willing to, to continue to be watching for yeah. you. Yeah. I think, you know, something kind of close to that, that I would say to the, the person that has discovered and the, is waiting for, you know, the, the person that's perpetrated, I guess, to actually step into that light is, is, is pray the prayer that was prayed over me, which is a super scary prayer to pray, I think. But that prayer of whatever needs to come into the light, come into the light. And um, Amanda's family was praying that over me. Mm-hmm. Amanda was praying that over me. And yeah, I mean, just a week before, really, or days before my confession, I was told that that prayer was being prayed over me and I would encourage you if, if you, if you're in that place of just God, bring this person into the light, bring whatever it is that they're doing or going through into the light. And it it is that heart of the father of allowing them to get to that point, because until they're at that point, then, you know, the restoration won't be as, I don't know what the right word is, pure, as final, as as deep as it should be for that person. Because if they're being pushed into something that they're not ready for, then they'll, they'll be 
anger probably there'll be grudges there'll be all that all the things that aren't healthy for the restoration and will eventually come out again in some form um not that you know once you confess you're free from ever tempting or struggling or even falling again but at least in those beginnings of of restoration you're actually both on the same page and so as hard as that is i think and as scary as that is um praying that prayer over that person and and asking people you love and trust to pray that prayer with you i think is something we've you know we've we've prayed over people and i i honestly don't even like praying it if i'm being honest because it it makes me worried and concerned and i know god will do it but i also have to trust too that you know god's going to be there too when everything does come out and the pieces are ready to be put back together and God can begin his restoration work. So yeah, that would be what I would recommend. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for, for taking the time today. We do have one, one last question that we've been asking. Oh boy. Um, and it's a follow-up to that first one about the gospel, but why is Jesus worth following mm. even now in 2021? Um, I mean, he's our everything. He's our source of, peace and hope and without him I don't I don't know how we do life like he is where we find he should be our sounding board and our foundation and our refuge and I mean that's what I've found him to be for me and all the times in my life where I felt extremely unstable or scared um, or in despair um, he is our purpose and our center so I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think, you know, just I've reached into a lot of wells in my life to like feel satisfied or to get that feeling of feeling good. And I've always had to reach back in multiple times <laughs> going deeper each time trying to get that same feeling again. And it's never produced anything good in my life. Um but once I realized that I was doing that and started reaching into the well of Jesus more so, how much more the good things in my life were more satisfying, like being a husband, being a dad. Um, since we've been on the podcast, we had a daughter. And being, being a father to a daughter has really opened my eyes to just so many things and she's only 15 months old but like I couldn't have been the father she needed me to be if I wasn't following Jesus in the way I am now and it's not perfect but it's not where I was following how I was following Jesus three years ago and how much more satisfying my life has become of being a dad, being a husband, being everything that God asks of me has become so much more fulfilling because I have stopped following the other things that I thought would fulfill my life. And so Jesus is so much more worth it than anything else um, the world is offering you. And while it may be a fun thing for a season or feel good for a season, the 
<laughs> the results are death, honestly, yeah. and or the results of Jesus is life and new life, like I see in my daughter. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for for being willing to come back on the podcast to share more of your story and, and hopefully to, to give hope, you know, to people who maybe find themselves in similar circumstances. Um, if people do want to like reach out to connect with you, if they feel some resonance between what you're saying and where they're at, like, would you be okay with them reaching out? Yeah, we, one of our prayers has been, God, don't let our story or what's happened go to waste. And so it's been a privilege and a blessing to be a resource for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we've just had one conversation. Yep, It's just one conversation of talking to a couple where we've just said, listen to these podcasts, read these books. Um, and we've, you know, given them names of counselors or references or referrals. So, I mean, we're always happy to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not counselors, but <laughs> right. we have been through some stuff and um, God's brought us out on the other side and we're still healing. But we love to be a resource to people and an encouragement to people and speak yeah. life because we right. know that like when you're in that time, you need people that are going to speak life mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. Not people that are going to make you feel worse, but people that are going to say, you can, you know, God's got you and you can do this like with God, with his help, um, if you're all in. So we love to just speak truth to people. And it's been amazing to see, um, some stories like ours, just see transformation, not because of us, but just we're cheerleaders saying Mm -hmm. you got this, God's got this. So yeah, absolutely. Anyone out there, it just means that God's using our story. And as hard as it was to go through, God's using it to bring light to others. So yeah, reach out. Yeah. So guys, if you want to connect with Johnny and Amanda, you can email Lori's team uh, to connect with them. You can email podcast at com. Again, podcast at com. So Johnny and Amanda, thank you again for for coming onto the podcast and sharing a little more of your story and hopefully being an encouragement to others. And so, guys, let's go and live out the good news of the gospel in a world that is just desperate and hurting for it. For all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we'll see you next week.